He's so worthy this morning. Amen. If you think he's worthy, just give him a great shout of praise in this place. Yes, amen. Well, good morning, Frontline Church. It's so good to be with you in the house of the Lord today. Church, it's a privilege for me to be with you all and to bring you the Word of God. We've just experienced an amazing time in the presence of our Lord and honoring and worshiping our King together. Amen. Can we just appreciate our worship team for a few moments? We just thank the Lord for the men and women that serve so sacrificially at Frontline Church. Can we just thank all our volunteers, all of those on the camera, all our serving team, those in the children's church. Can we give them a big round of applause? What a privilege it is to be a part of what God is doing at Frontline Church. Amen, church. Let's, let's pray together. Father God, we come to you today in the powerful and marvelous name of Jesus. We want to commit this time and this word to you. Lord, as we hear your word today, let us encounter a revelation of your truth in the knowledge of who you are. And may we be changed so deeply that we will be ignited to live love, Lord, completely surrendered to your will and to your purpose and be a catalyst of change in our world. May we be the salt and the light that this world so desperately needs. Lord, we submit our plans and our ways and our thoughts to you today and we ask that you would take us, that you would mold us and that you would transform us and use us for your glory. Come and have your way in us today. And Lord, as I present your beautiful gospel today, I pray that you would anoint my lips and the ears of those listening in the house and those listening online. We ask this all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, amen and Amen. Well, church, I'm, I'm really excited to share part four of our sermon series today, If Not Now, When? I didn't realize, church, when we started that this series would extend into so many weeks. But as I've mentioned throughout the series, the Lord has really been challenging me and leading me not to rush through these principles, but instead to pause and go a bit deeper. And there is so much that the Lord has shown me throughout the series that has opened my eyes to basic fundamentals and disciplines that we can easily miss, church, if we allow the busyness of life to, to just take over. I don't know about you, church, but the Lord has really been challenging me throughout the series. And I sense an urgency in my spirit to accelerate what I need to change in my life. Because deep down inside of me, this might sound strange, but there's a better version of me. Can I get a witness in the house? Yeah. Amen. <laughs> there's a better version of me and there's a better version of you. And it's not as out of reach as we may think. It just requires a different focus. It requires a greater discipline. And church, it is my prayer that we won't just move on from the series and go back to the same normal and repeat the same cycle but that we would push on and get to the core of what the Lord has placed in us to fulfill and accomplish for His glory. And if not now, when? Are we going to wait another couple of weeks? Are we going to wait another couple of months? Are you happy to be sitting where you are in the same chair next year and nothing has changed in your life? God wants us to grow. 
throughout this series, church, we have been looking to Jesus and how he kept growing while he was on this earth. And in Luke chapter 2, we see as a benchmark how Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. In week one, we focused on the important topic of wisdom and how to use godly wisdom to make the right choices in life, right? And we have declared the month of November as the month of wisdom as at Frontline Church as we read the book of Proverbs together. And what amazing wisdom there is in that book. In week two, we looked at stature and the importance of taking care of our bodies. I think it was a bit of a challenging message for all of us. And in week three, church, we looked at some of the practical ways we can balance our lives by highlighting certain areas where we may need to work on and improve. And church, our motivation for all of this, our motivation behind all of this, church, is so that we don't undercut our ability to serve God, right? We don't want to undercut our ability to, to develop and operate in the fruits of the Spirit, we want to become all that God wants us to be and, and do all that He wants us to do and hear Him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share your master's happiness. And I want to encourage you, church, to go back and have a look at that checklist that we provided on social media this week. If you haven't already, go back and look at it or listen to the sermon again and allow the Lord to lead you in which of these areas of your life you need to put some attention to. It may be one area for you or it may be all of them. But do some introspection. Be honest with yourself and allow the Lord to highlight the area or areas where you need to change focus. And church, if there are areas where you are really struggling, like I said last week, come and see one of the counselors at our church. Come and see myself or Pastor Renal, and let's get breakthrough in Jesus' name. We're going to break these cycles in our lives. Amen. Amen. So church, this week, I'm excited because we're going to be focusing on increasing and growing in our relationship with God. Growing in favor with God. Just put Luke chapter 2 verse 52 up for us quickly. It says, Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. Church, the word favor comes from the same word as grace. It's the Greek word charis, and charis means grace or favor. So the Bible says Jesus kept increasing in favor or in grace with God. Now, church, did you know that your favor with God or your grace with God should increase? That it should grow? You and I should be growing. And I have just the example today of a person in the Bible to talk to you about it. And it's the Apostle Peter. Because Peter was really committed to this thing about growing. For example, Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. He also says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter is passionate about our growth. 
And nothing expresses that passion nor that process any more than 2 Peter chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, go to 2 Peter chapter 1 because that's where we will be focusing this morning. And church, this passage, if you can grab it, if you can grasp it, if you can put your arms around it and, and make it your friend, I think you will have what you need to either begin or to speed up your process of experiencing God in this life. Peter is writing to Christians and he says in the middle of verse 1, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. So he's speaking to born-again Christians here. He's not speaking a message of salvation. He's concerned about getting the saved into an experiential knowledge of God. Peter mentions the word knowledge three times in the, eight, the first eight verses. And his main concern is that we would grow into what he calls the epinosis. The epinosis, that's the Greek word for the full knowledge or the complete knowledge or the authentic knowledge of God. He's pointing us to epinosis. He's pointing us to an, an authentic experience of the knowledge of God. So let's have a look at it together. Peter starts out with an exciting phrase in verse 1 where he says, To those who have obtained the faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I want you to notice how he starts here. He starts by calling Jesus both God and Savior. Right? What an amazing foundation. Then in verse 2 he says, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And church, this verse excites me because it talks about multiplication. He doesn't just say, May grace and peace be added to you. He says, May grace and peace be multiplied to you. In other words, church, if you want more grace and you want more peace in your life, You've got to have a multiplication in the knowledge of God. Less knowledge of God equals less grace and less peace. God's grace is unmerited favor, right? And if you want more favor, you have to have a greater knowledge of the one who gave you that grace, right? Peace is the ability to be calm no matter how chaotic the things are going on around you, how chaotic life is. So if you want more calm in the midst of the storm of life to be multiplied to you, you must expand your experiential knowledge of God. It's about multiplication. Church 5 plus 5 is 10, right? 5 times 5 is 25. 100 plus 100 is 200, but 100 times 100 is 10,000. It's about multiplication. And Peter wants you to get the concept of of multiplication not just addition because that is a whole new whole new level he says I want grace to be multiplied to you not just added I want peace to be multiplied to you not just added the Apostle Paul agrees with this type of concept in 2nd Corinthians chapter 9 verse 8 where he says and God is able to make all grace again it's the word carries abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times 
you may abound in every good work. So in essence, what God is saying is he wants to give you a multiplied experience of him. But that is connected with your knowledge of him and of his son, Jesus Christ. And so how's that going to happen? Look at what Peter says in verse 3. It says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge, through the epinosis of Him who called us to His own glory and to His excellence. So guess what, church? Guess what? Everything you need to become all you were meant to be, you already have. Let me say that again. If you are a believer, everything you need to become all you were destined to be or redeemed to be, you already possess. Some of us are looking for stuff that we already have. I want to tell you a story this morning. It's a, it's a true story. In the mid-20th century, there was a very wealthy newspaper publisher by the name of William Randolph Hearst. Very wealthy man, and he had an incredible collection of artwork, right? And on one specific occasion, church, he learned of a new piece of artwork that he really wanted to buy, right? He really wanted to get his hands on this. So what he did was he sent out his agents to scout all across, this, across the world for this treasure. And one month passed by, they found nothing. Two, three months passed by, four, five months, still nothing. And around the sixth month, one of his agents reported that the treasure had been found. But to his surprise, he discovered that he already owned it. And that piece of artwork was in his warehouse with many other treasures that had likewise never been opened. They'd never been unpacked. What he was searching the whole world for was already in his own basement. Some of us are looking for life and you already have it. Some of us are looking for breakthrough and you all already have it. Some of us are looking to be more like Christ and you all already have it. Because my Bible says His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. The treasure we're looking for is already in our possession. We just need to change our focus to see what is already ours. We need to start, stop looking out there. We need to start looking within. And church, if you don't know that you have it, you'll go looking in places that can't offer you the fullness of what has already been granted to you. So you may be asking at this point, okay, that sounds good, but what then? Where can I find all this stuff, pastor, that you, you're telling me that I already have? Because if I already have it, then I'd sure like you to show me where to find it. Let me show you where it is in verse 4. But let's read verses 3 and 4 together for context. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. 
So church, what Peter is saying here, the location for everything that God has granted to you and all that he intends you to be is located in what he calls the divine nature. It is located in the divine nature. So church, as an individual, I have a nature and you have a nature. But what is the divine nature? As we've touched on briefly throughout the series, we are made up of a spirit, a soul, and a body, right? And can you remember what it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23? It says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So God is calling you and he's calling me to complete sanctification. But that doesn't just happen automatically, right? We start off as corruptible and become incorruptible. Let me explain. Church, the job of your soul is to give instruction to your body. So your body does what your body does because your soul tells it what to do. Your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. And so your ability to think... Your ability to feel emotions and your ability to, to choose is all wrapped up in this thing we call our soul. And because of different, li different life experiences, your background, how you were raised and the different things that, that influenced you in your life, your soul has become dysfunctional. It's become corrupted at its core. All of our souls have been distorted by sin and circumstances. So that's why we think some of the things that we think. That's why we say some of the things that we say. And we often can't get rid of those feelings. Because church, our souls have become distorted due to all the things that engulf us in this world. Or what Peter calls in verse 4, the corruption that is in this world. So look, I hate to tell you this. But you can't trust you. You can't trust you. I can't trust me. Because church, on your best day, you're looking through a glass darkly. On your best day, you are looking through life in a, a, through a distorted soul. And the thing that is meant to sort all of this out is your spirit. Because your spirit is the essential essence of who you are. But the problem, church, is we were born with spiritual deadness. We are by nature children of wrath, as it says in Ephesians chapter 2. We were born with a nature that is spiritually separated from God and unable to make contact with Him. Let me give you an illustration of what I mean. Church, if you're watching satellite television, if you're watching DSTV, you're watching a rugby match or you're watching a football match, or you're watching for the ladies, you're watching a, a series, and you come to a very intense part of that series or intense part of that match, and there's a major thunderstorm outside, what happens? The picture goes off, right? And it says, searching for signal. Searching for signal, and it gives you an, an error code. And you can try and switch your TV on and off five times. You can try and reset your decoder. You could take out the smart card and put it back in. You could even go to your satellite dish and, and, try, and try and move it around. But it still says searching for signal. Why? Because circumstances have clouded up its ability to receive a signal. The signal can't bounce off the satellite because it's covered by the storm. 
And you know, as much as I want to see Liverpool score another hat-trick against Man United or, or Liverpool or, or Chelsea, I just, there's no picture. What do you say about that there, brother? <laughs> you and I, church, were born with a covering over our spirits that blocked us from receiving the signal of God. Because we can't get God's signal in our spirits in our unconverted days, the signal of God couldn't bounce off of it. Which means, church, the soul had nothing to feed on except the world in which it lived. So if you lived in a good world with positive parents and you weren't physically or, or mentally abused and you were only exposed to good things, you were fed good and positive news and you were encouraged, you more than likely have a decent soul. But if you lived in a world where things were chaotic and things were evil and you were, you were abused in some form and you were fed with negative stuff all the time, there's a good chance your soul is more chaotic than the person that you're sitting next to. But don't get me wrong here. Whether you are major messed up or minor messed up, church, everybody has a soul that the Bible says is damaged by the corruption that is in this world. But guess what, guess what God did? What God did was He quickened your human spirit by an intervention of the Holy Spirit, and it's called being born again. Can someone say amen to that? It's called being born again or receiving the nature of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So what God does, what did was He gave you a new spirit. God gave you a new spirit, but He did not give you a new soul. Your soul still needs transformation. Jesus, at the moment when you were converted, church, He saved your spirit by imparting to you a new nature. Your soul has been saved, but your spirit was immediately saved. Let me give you an analogy this morning. When the Holy Spirit put divinity into Mary, the mother of Jesus, you had the most unique individual born in the history of mankind, right? His name is Jesus. Someone who was both God and man. And think about this, church. You had a baby who suckled on his mother's milk who created the mother. Right? You've got a man who gets thirsty, but a God who can walk on water and who says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. You've got a man who can get hungry, but a God who can multiply five loaves of bread and two fish to feed 5,000 people. You've got the unique person because you've had the infiltration of the divine nature. And church, you may say, well, that's, that's good for Jesus. But I want to tell you this morning, that's good for you too. Because what good God did, church, was He infiltrated or penetrated the human spirit with a divine spirit so that now integrated into your humanity is the DNA of deity. Someone needs to get excited about that. God's spirit, God put His spirit in your spirit. Remember, we spoke about this a couple of weeks back where we, where we said that we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. God is living in your body. Now, church, that poses the question. If I have that much of God living in me, why can't I find it? Why can't I have breakthrough in my life? 
Why am I always the victim and why am I living in defeat? If I've got what you say that I have, then, then why is it not working? Well, let's explore it together by going a bit deeper. First Peter chapter 1, verse 23 says, For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. Church, here it is. You have been born again with an imperishable or incorruptible seed. When God's Spirit entered your spirit, you got a new nature, but church, in seed form. In other words, it wasn't fully grown. It was in seed form, and the only way you come to discover a brand new life that has been conceived is when there is development. Stay with me, church, because this is where the teaching comes. If the seed doesn't develop, it's not because it's not alive. It's because it's not growing. So perhaps the reason why we're not experiencing more of the DNA of God or growing in favor with God or multiplying in grace and peace is because sometimes we're satisfied to remain in seed form. So here's the way it's supposed to work. Your spirit is supposed to grow in your soul so that your spirit now dictates to your soul. Your soul being corrected by the Spirit is going to give new information to your body and to your mind. In other words, the body begins to behave differently because the soul is functioning differently. But the soul only functions differently if the Spirit has taken it over. And you see, church, if the Spirit is still remaining in seed form, the soul doesn't ever change. So the body doesn't function differently. You don't behave differently. You don't act like you are set apart. So if you want to function differently in the body, if you want to develop fruit that leads to Christ-likeness, if you want multiplication in your life, there has to be a change in the soul. But there's only change in the soul where there is development in the spirit. So church, that's why you can spend years and, and tens of thousands of rands to go and see as many life coaches as you want. Go and see as many therapists as you want. And they may help you manage your soul to some degree, right? You can do all of that. But I want to tell you this morning, God is not into soul management. God is into soul transformation. Come on. He wants to change your soul. And that comes through the expansion of the Spirit. God wants to change me and He wants to change you and He does that through the expansion of the divine nature. He wants your seed to grow. Church, how many of you remember these images? Can you put those images up for us? You would remember I shared this with you in my message last November on sanctification. You can keep going. And church, isn't it amazing how those little seeds become these behemoth trees? Right? They start off the size of a peanut and grow into these giants of the bushveld. Now church, I want to ask you a question. If you had to open up that little seed, you had to break it open, would you be able to see the fullness of the baobab in that seed? With all of its branches and how wide and how tall it would grow? Would you be able to see what it would become? 
No. But planted in the right soil, you have in that seed all of its potential. All of its potential is in that seed. So let me ask you this morning. If God has invaded the seed of your spirit, what do you think your potential is? What do you think my potential is? Now, we may not be living up to that potential, church, but it's not because it's not there. It's in the seed. But the seed has to develop, and Peter says when it develops, you escape the corruption. When we grow, we escape the corruption that is in the world. The DNA of God overrides the deterioration and decline of the world. Because you have in you, you have on you and flowing through you the divine blueprint. If that does something to your joy this morning, you are welcome to shout amen. amen. And you know, church, that confirms what I said earlier. That deep down inside, there is a better version of me and there is a better version of you. So I guess that raises the next question, right? How do I get the seed popping? How do I get the seed working? How do I get the seed to grow? Because you may be sitting there and listening to this or listening online and saying to yourself, listen, I'm tired. It's been 10 or, or 20 years and, and my seed's not growing. And church, do you know how to do this? Do you want to know how to get the seed to become all that it was meant to be? You're going to have to come back next week. I'm going to tell you next week. <laughs> this topic is way too big just for, for one week, church. Come back next week and we're going to follow on with this. And we're going to trust the Lord to bring some major breakthrough in our lives. But before you go this morning, church, throughout this week, in my preparation, and maybe the worship team can please come up so long. I felt throughout this week that the Lord has been leading me and saying to me that we need to break down some walls that are holding us back from allowing that seed to spring forth. We've spoken today about how our souls have become distorted by what the Bible says is the corruption that is in this world. You know, the things that have happened to you in your life, the things that have been spoken over you in your life, and even the choices that you've made. Church, all the things that have caused you to build up walls that are stifling your potential. Right? Stifling the potential for that seed to grow. And church, for seed to grow, you need to have the right soil, right? It can't be all hard. It can't be all trodden on. It can't be un untilled. And before we get into the how next week, church, we need to allow the Lord to help us identify and break down some walls that, that maybe have been created and created a hardness in our hearts. Where we become hard to the things of God. Or maybe we, we've even turned away from God. And you know, church, when I was, I was asking the Lord, Lord, why is this so important that we do this? And the Lord said to me, I want every single piece of your heart. I want every piece of you, not just half of your heart, not just 75%, not just 99% of your heart. He says, I want every single piece of your heart. And you know how that comes, church? It comes through surrender. It comes through surrender. It comes when you surrender your pain, when you surrender your shame, when you surrender your, your anger and your bitterness. 
It comes when you surrender your offense. It comes when you surrender all those things that are preventing you from becoming all that God has meant you to be. And so as we go into the song today, church, there's a specific song I've asked the worship team to sing for us. And I'm not going to prescribe any specific way that, that we must do this today. But I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to do, minister you, to you only as He can. Allow Him to reveal to you what is holding you back and allow Him to break down these walls. And if you want to kneel where you are, you want to stand where you are, if you want to come kneel in front, church, you can do that. And we'll stand in agreement with you. Whatever it is, church, surrender it all to Him and allow the rain of His presence to till and soften the soil of our hearts and make it fertile. Can I say that this morning? We have saved, we've had such an amazing presence of the Lord here this morning. And I believe the Lord wants to do something in your hearts today. He wants our hearts to become soft. He wants the, fertile, the soil of our hearts to become fertile. Would you stand with us, church? Allow the rain of His presence to till and soften the soil of our hearts and make it fertile.